Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training, episode number seven zero. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And in today's episode, we're going to get into interviewing. I like interviewing. You do, right? I, I hear you teach a class on it. I do. It's, uh, in your words, fabulous. It is fantastic. Fantastic. Sorry. Dang it. Okay. We've only done 70 of these episodes. How have we made it to 70? Do you know the average podcast dies before episode 30? I, I think what I read was the average podcast dies before episode 10. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was less than 30 listeners. Yeah, it's crazy. Blew both of those away. And I think that it's pretty safe to say if you're listening to episode number 70, you are beyond downloader number 30,000. Now, 30,000 downloads? Isn't that crazy? It is kind of nuts, actually. And you can only download the podcast once. Right. So it's not me. And my wife just downloading it over and over again. And it is not me and my family downloading it over and over again. Yeah. Huh. 30K. Who'd have thought it? And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. All right, so if we're going to talk interviewing in this fabulous milestone-esque episode, then let's get to it. Let's drop some Stevie Nicks talk to me because uh, interviewing should be a dialogue, not a monologue. Oh, no. So we're leaving training and Tom Petty and going to Stevie Nicks and some talk to me. All right. All right. Let's do it. So, so Drew, Damn. interviewing. Yes, you should do it. End of podcast. Walk away. This has been episode number 70 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. As always, go out and sell more pizza. <laughs> and have more fun. Psych! So I've got this interviewing workshop I do. And one of the things I start the interviewing workshop off with is a question I'm going to ask you. How long does your typical interview take? My typical interview, whether I'm interviewing a CSR, a driver, an AM, a GM, or when I was with corporate was interviewing trainers or MCOs is 30 minutes. I love that answer. And that's my target. This is how I got to that target. It was through actual experience. I had a client, oh gosh, it's probably been 18 months ago now, asked me if I would go through and check all their applications and do some screening, and do some interviewing. And this particular client, the drive was a little bit too far for me to interview in person. So I ended up doing all the interviews via Zoom. And I recorded them. And what I found was through no rhyme or reason, and through no planning on my part on time, that they all took plus or minus a minute of 30 minutes. And that's because I have a very 
well scripted out interview. And when I say scripted out, I don't mean that I've got 10 or 12 questions that I ask each participant or each candidate. It means I go through things, you know, I go through image expectations, I go through realistic job preview, I go through compensation, and then I get into some nuts and bolts questions for them. You know, my interviews are very structured and they're almost always the same, regardless of who's on the other side of the table. I, I have the same approach. The, the questions may vary depending on the level. And I, and I tell the applicant, I'm going to ask you a few knockout questions. This isn't me choosing to not pick you. This is you choosing not to pick us. Yes. And then I get into the image standards, the pay, the hours. And I get into that, that if you're willing to do this, cool. Now I need to know if you're going to fit on my team. So I like this knockout questions thing that you said and them choosing us. I think what I want to make sure our listeners walk away from this episode is that the interview should be a dialogue, not a monologue. And there are actually two interviews going on, not just one. And what I tell all the candidates that I interview is that it is a two-way interview and you're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing you. Because if I'm not a fit for you, you will never be a fit for me. And it's important that we get all your questions answered now because they're going to get answered sooner or later. And I would rather have you find out it's a no today than have you decide it's a no after I've spent time and energy to train you and onboard you. And if it's not a fit for you, that's okay. We can still be friends. You can still come buy pizza from me anytime you'd like. It just means we're being honest with one another. And I think if we take that approach in the interview, we're much likely to have a much better employee-employer relationship. I had this issue when I was supervising, oh my gosh, like 20 years ago. And I was doing a driver interview and I had two or three of them stacked up and I did them 30 minutes apart even then. And the manager was like, why are you taking so long in an interview? And I'm like, well, let's see. For us to get through pay, image, and schedule, I've got to have them say yes or no. And it takes like five, six minutes. There's like two minutes of small talk at the start. So we're at like eight. And now I have my three or four questions I'm going to ask. That's the only, like when it gets to the dialogue part, that's it. I ask like three or four behavioral questions and everything beyond that is them talking to me. I might ask a follow-up or a clarification, but that's it. You know, I'm sure you went through it when you were with the brand. We had the star training uh, situation, yeah. the task. Bought it a couple of times too. Yeah. Situation, yeah, yeah. task, action, response actually situation or task action response was it or i thought it was result what was the result it could be the, result could be response yeah yeah, yeah 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 to me i only i only have two behavioral questions that i ask and those lead me to the more important questions which i can't script because i don't know how they're going to answer those first two questions those first two questions lead me to the unscripted questions and i like to call it you got to dig. When they give you the answer, you've got to listen. And then you go down and dig. Moving back just a little bit, you know, talking to them and making sure that it's a good fit for them. That's so, so important. And I want to make sure that they understand that. And, you know, you said you had managers talk to you about, you know, what are you saying to them for so long? My response to a manager was, what are you saying so quickly? 
The response I get all the time is, well, I can tell right away if they're going to be a fit. For the listeners, I am vehemently shaking my head no. Yes, you are. And here's my take on that response. I think that when you're speaking to another human being, they only show you or tell you what they're willing to let you hear or say. See, you know, maybe you can read people. I mean, there are people that can definitely pick up on vibes quicker than other folks. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to get to the right answer on whether or not you should select them. And I think if you take these 30 minutes and you do full-fledged expectations on image and punctuality and you tell them how you're going to pay and you tell them what the realistic job preview is going to be, then you have a better chance of making a good hire. Is it going to guarantee that you make a good hire? Absolutely not. You're still going to make bad hires every now and again because some people are professional interviewers and some people know exactly what to say. I, I think you get that much more that professional interviewer, much more manager or above the average CSR driver coming in, especially the driver who has driver hop through your town. They're just expecting you to hire them because they have a car and a license. Cause that's probably what the other places have done. You know, I love it that you just said driver hop, you know, 10 years ago, if I was teaching somebody how to interview one of the red flags I would look for in their application or their resume, if they had one, which nobody does anymore, would be, were they a job hopper? Oh, now that's irrelevant today. Yeah. If they've had, you know, if they'd had four jobs in the last two years, I'd say stay away from them. They're a job hopper. But I think what we're seeing today, because the state of our industry is so scary and there's so few good leaders. And the pay changes are happening so fast. People are job hopping for what I would call legitimate reasons. You know, I was interviewing this one young man and I saw that he had been at a fast food burger joint for two months. And, and you know, my, my antennas are going up. Danger, 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 job hopper. So instead of just assuming that he was a job hopper, I said to him, so I see you were at such and such a place for two months. Can you tell me why you left? And he looked at me and he paused and he said, you know, the third time a customer threw a Coke back at me through the drive through window, I decided this wasn't for me. And I thought to myself, that's a good decision. I think it's important that we investigate what they've written down and we investigate what they've said. And when you use these behavioral based questions that you can see on any star interview guide and, you know, Domino's has got a pretty thorough interview guide. I think it's 162 pages long. That's an exaggeration. It is like 10 or 12 though. And it's, it's a lot. So, so for this workshop that I did, you know, I, I pulled that down and I was looking through it and I thought to myself, man, there's a lot of good information here, but it's probably too much. So I pared it down to, I think, six pages. And I thought, okay, I've got the great tool now. And I'm doing these interviews for the, for the client that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And I realized that I couldn't even get through all six pages. So I pared it down to one page front and back. And that's the tool that I use in my interviewing class. And if you're interested in that, reach out to me. I'd be happy to send it to you. But I think it's a nice roadmap that takes you through the things you need to take without it becoming overwhelming. Kudos to Domino's for putting together that interview guide. It is extremely thorough. And I don't think there's anything in it 
that doesn't have value, but it's just too darn long. If you follow the driver CSR interview guide to the T, it ends up being like an hour, hour and 10 minute interview. And now to your point, it's great because it tells you what the situation is that we're looking for. This is around customer service. What's the action you're looking for? What's the result you're looking for? Keywords you're looking for. It is the idiot's guide to an interview guide. I am not knocking it to your point. It's just too long. The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. It's very well put together and it might not be bad to go through it if you've never done an interview. 100%. I think once you've gotten through an interview, you've got to have something that's going to be more of a roadmap instead of a how-to guide. So I'd like to change tactics for a second. I'd like to talk about a commonly asked question and our ability to to shortcut things. May I do that? I'm on the edge of my seat. Generally speaking, this is a timeliness company. I need you to show up on time because if I scheduled you at five o'clock, it means I need you to make a pizza at 501 or take a delivery at 501. I cannot have you be late. At this moment, after that brief explanation, 95% of our manager will ask, can you be on time? Or is there something that would stop you from being on time? Every applicant's going to say, I am always punctual. Every applicant will say, there's nothing that'll keep me from being here on time. And all of them are lying. Okay, not all. That would be a glittering generality. A, a glittering? Yeah, that's actually in the star class was a glittering generality. When people are like, oh, I am, I am the most amazing pizza maker. Can you give me a specific example? No. I'm trying to pull up my interview guide here now, but I know what the question is. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you how I get around that glittering generality for punctuality. How do you do it? And I'll tell you how I do it and let's have some fun. Awesome. So once I've gotten through the full-fledged expectations and I've asked for commitment and I say, okay, now we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the interview. Tell me about a time where you were going to be late or miss a shift. How did you handle it? What was management's reaction? And what was the result? I go about it slightly differently. I'm listening. I asked if I were to call your friends and family, would they describe you as a person who's on time or not? I like that. And the answers I've gotten, because I used to ask that exact, because your question is almost pulled directly from the corporate interview guide. It was, by the way. And, and I, I say almost, it's been a couple of years for me, but, and I've changed it because I would get, I would get a good enough answer from the corporate one. And by me asking, how would your friends or family describe you? I have gotten the most insane answers the last two years. It's been comically funny. We're like, wait, wait, wait. Do you want to know what my mom thinks or what my friends think? Your mom? Like, like I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing because people instantly will be like, okay, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. When our friend, when my friends say like nine o'clock start, they never mean a nine o'clock start. So I'm always like nine thirty or ten. Then, if I tell you a ten o'clock start, what do you think I mean by that? It allows me to ask different questions, right? And it just opens up a dialogue. So when you say it allows you to ask different questions, I think the key to you asking those different questions is, you know, the listeners can't see me, but I've got two of these and one of these, and I should yep. use those in the proportion and that's two ears and one mouth. And unless you're listening to your candidates responses, you can't formulate those unscripted questions appropriately. You know, you know, you said you taught the star class 
I did some coaching in the star class where we did set up the cameras and oh yeah, we set up the cameras and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And these people would come in with the 10 questions they wanted to ask. And it was more important to them to get through the 10 questions than to listen to the responses. Because, you know, I've seen interviews where I only had to ask one question and it led to a great dialogue that put me in a place where I was ready to make a decision. And I've seen other interviews where the interviewer asks their 10 questions and they have no more information to make a selection than they had when they started. And they're, they're asking yes or no questions. Uh And I can't tell anything from that now. Okay. So here's another favorite question of mine right now. I have learned, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but the industry we're in, is slightly competitive. No. We as a brand may be slightly more competitive than we let on. No. I have found a question I like to ask, even if they're a CSR or driver, is tell me about a time where you wanted to win, but you lost. What did you do different the next day? That's a good question. Because I need to know how they how you handle defeat. Because let's be honest, there are 7,000 stores in the country. Only one GM is going to be manager of the year. So for the other 6,900, 7,900, by the time you listen to this, 7,842, whatever that number is, what you do tomorrow matters, right? I, I, I lost today. What do I do tomorrow to make it different? I think that's a great question. Well, I know for a fact that as as I upgrade my tools, that question is going to be on the driver wanting to be an AM, the CSR wanting to be an AM, the AM that thinks they're ready for a store. That question has got to be on a leadership. Uh, you know, tell me about a time you lost. What did you do the next time to give yourself a better chance to win? I think that's an amazing question. I love that. And it's nowhere in an interview guide, but we're a competitive place. And if I don't hire people who have a competitive nature, it's going to put them in an instant disadvantage. I don't need them to be super competitive. Well, it's going to put us at a disadvantage as well, because I want people on my team that are going to win. If only one person can win, then I need the rest to go, okay, I need to do something different, which again, finite game versus infinite game. We can get all back into that. Uh, I, I prefer the infinite game. I want everybody to have a chance to win every day and not have it be reliant on what other people do. But that's me. It's so important. So so let's wrap this interviewing thing up in a bow. If people want more interviewing, I'm going to assume they could reach out to you for your interview guide. Yes. They could reach out to me. I have a I have a walking interview guide for the GM that can't get away from their store long enough because you're short staffed. Oh, you know what? Let's let's not land this plane. Let's talk about that for a minute. To me, the very best interviews are if I can sit down across from a table and I can be 100% committed to the interview. Preferably in my own lobby. I don't want to go to a different restaurant to interview them to work at my restaurant. But we live in the real world. So this walking interview you speak of, I have done interviews where I've got the candidates standing on the child step, looking over the sneeze guard while I'm making pizzas. I think there's some caveats to the walking interview and to the child step sneeze guard interview. And that is you've got to be you've got to be very comfortable in your pizza making skin. I can make pizza and hold a conversation and make sure the pizza gets made correctly. If you're new to making pizzas, 
it's not because I'm a better pizza maker than you. It's because I've made more than you. And it's total muscle memory. It's, it's millions of pizzas sitting there that, that I can close my eyes and make a pizza. And, and that's just it. I'm not paying it. I'm not really paying attention to the pizza I'm making. Yeah. What I would liken it to is take your favorite New York Ranger. They can do things on the ice that I can't do wearing shoes. I mean, that's fair. They're standing on razors on sheets of ice, and yet they can do things with a stick and a puck that I couldn't do in my garage. And I can't skate. Me making pizza is like a National Hockey League player skating. It's just what we do because I've done it for almost 40 years now. I think make sure you know your level of talent when it comes to your core responsibilities before you try to before you try to add in something else. I'm a firm believer that multitasking is not possible. If I need to use my brain for both things, I'm not going to do either of them to my fullest. I don't need to use my brain to make pizza anymore. The entire mindset for my walking interview was a interview of last resort. Yes. Absolutely. I don't have enough people. I don't have enough staff to get away or I'm here and you want to apply. I'm not going to let you leave. I'm going to interview you right here. I don't need a set time. You're here. I'm here. Let's go. The thing that's so important about doing these on the spot interviews is that the people that you want on your team either already have a job or they will have a job by the end of today. And if you allow them to leave your store without that interview, you're not going to get them because someone else is going to. That's where if you're staffed, this isn't a big deal. Hey, Sam, cover the front for 10 minutes. I'm going to go interview Jody and, and we're going to sit in the lobby. And if you need me, just give a holler. Jody, let's go sit down for five minutes. Do you have five minutes? Let's talk. Now, obviously, it's going to be longer than five minutes, but I'm going to you know allow a good conversation to just go and no one will have a problem with that. If I don't have anybody else in the store. I'm not going to look at Sam applicant and go, Hey, um, I'm really busy right now. I, I really like to talk to you. Do you have time tomorrow at three o'clock in the afternoon? The chance that Sam comes back is zero, zero. So yeah, the, the standing walking interview is the interview of, of last resort or the interview of, I, I am not going to let you leave. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Necessity. Thank you. That word was not coming to my head. So thank yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're old and words are hard. Yeah, they are. And math is too. So again, um, I've got this two-page interview guide. If you're in, interested in it, reach out to me. I'd be happy to share it with you. Um, if you're a franchisee listening and you'd like a workshop, and I've got a great one-day interviewing workshop that I'd love to do for you. Drew's got tools. Drew's got knowledge. He can help you out as well. Hit us up with what you need. Amazing how that'll work. If you, <laughs> if you need it, as we're recording this, I put up the product class and inventory class I did for Mike, I just threw him up on Facebook, said, hey, you want them? DM me. I think I've emailed them out to over 80 people over the last three days. That's amazing. So just asking, you'll get. So this has been episode number 70 as this plane touches down. Holy cow. We are happy that you're listening. We would love it if you'd share these, subscribe, send us a picture that shows us you have subscribed and we will send you a hat pin. I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. And I am Baba Ganoush with Better Than Tomorrow's Pizza Making. Thank you, Baba Ganoush. Appreciate that. As always, go out and sell more pizza. <laughs> and have more fun. Arrivederci.
Yeah, that's all, folks.